Most every morning when I come in the office here at church, the first thing I do is I get my Bible and I read through a passage of Scripture and I usually journal about that and then I open a prayer book and pray and present some prayers to God. And before you think I'm bragging, here's the truth. Some days I really get excited about that and I'm excited to come in and sit down with Scripture and find out what the Lord has to say. And you know what? Some days I'm not. Maybe you're a little bit like that. If you read the Bible every day. Some days it's exciting. You just, you're excited about the passage you're in the middle of. You want to read the next part. You want to hear from the Lord. And some days you just go, I don't really feel like doing that this morning. There's stuff on my mind. There's things that I need to get done. I really don't have time for this. I've got to get on with the important stuff. Well, you know, most days, even when I don't feel like reading the Bible and praying, you know what? I do it. And again, before you think I'm bragging, here's the other side of that. Sometimes I do it just so I can say, I've done it. Just so when generations from now people read through my journals, (laughs) they'll see I didn't skip that day, okay? Out of a sense of obligation, maybe. Or even a sense of pride, So that I did read the Bible that day. Sometimes we do religious stuff, maybe for not the very best of reasons, if we're really candid about all of that. Because we feel like we have an obligation, or because we want to be able to say that we've done it. Maybe you can identify. And you know, as we continue in this series, this is the second week of our series, we've been thinking about when life falls apart. When the ground becomes unsteady underneath us, the things that we were depending on in this world suddenly are shaking and we just don't know what to do. Sometimes when that happens, we decide it's time to do religious stuff. Stuff that feels religious. Stuff that has something to do with God. So sometimes when life is falling apart, what we decide we need to do is, well, what we're doing this morning. We come to church. Well, because my marriage is falling apart, I feel like a terrible parent. Things are not right financially. My work is messed up. I've got another relationship that's just wrong. I'm involved in something I shouldn't be. Whatever it is, we decide, well, just going to church, that will make it better. And maybe we're going because we want to connect with God. Maybe we're going because we're hoping that, man, somebody like me is going to stand in a place like this and say something meaningful about the mess my life is in. Okay? Sometimes that's the reason. Sometimes, again, if we're really candid, we think my life is messed up, and if I go to church and maybe do some religious things, sing some religious songs, Take communion. Hear a sermon. Maybe God will do something in my life. Maybe if I do some religious things, God will take notice of me and He'll solve my problems. Things will get better. Maybe if I sort of pay it forward with God, do enough good stuff like showing up at church, God's going to take care of me. God's going to deal with the issues in my life. It's sort of like a Christian karma kind of thing, right? I do some good and some good is going to come my way. 
we treat it that way occasionally. Maybe if I do something really big, like if I go forward and I decide to be baptized, that, that'll get God's notice. I'll, he'll pay attention. And then He'll deal with the problems that I've created or that someone else has created in my life. If I do enough religious kinds of things, God's going to take notice. I want us to think about that this morning. I want us to go back to Jeremiah, and we're looking at this book of Jeremiah, this Old Testament prophet, and thinking a little bit about his story because when Jeremiah lived, Israel the nation in which he lived was falling apart. The kingdom of Judah was really on the edge. The, the cracks were showing. And because of Jeremiah's message, his life was falling apart too. Because you see, even though the cracks were beginning to show, and even though people could sort of see that things were not what they once were, they didn't want that message, okay? They didn't want to hear that things needed to change. They didn't want to hear Jeremiah say, what you need to do is repent and follow God. What you need to do is change your ways. That wasn't the message they wanted. What they wanted was something positive. Jeremiah, don't you have any good news? Can't you tell us anything positive? You're always talking negative. We want to hear a positive message in the middle of crisis. Years ago, when we lived in Savannah, Georgia, uh, sea Island, which is a resort south of Savannah on an island for very rich people, hosted the G8 Summit. You know, when all the world's leaders of the free countries come together and they work out economics and all that stuff. So some of the most powerful people in the world were going to gather on Sea Island. 50 miles north, Savannah got to host the protesters for the G8 Summit. Okay? That's not what you want. All right? They're known for looting, tearing stuff apart, and all this stuff. So, so the Savannah Morning News interviewed a guy named Bob Kunst. And Bob Kunst said this, If you'll just host a festival, sort of a Trinidad-style festival with food and music and excitement, that will distract all the protesters. He was an expert. He was a protester. That will distract all of us, and we won't rip your city apart. Okay. So if we just sort of make it fun, everything will be all right. And that's what people were saying to Jeremiah. If you'll just sort of think positive, Jeremiah, if you'll give us a positive message, things will be okay. But if you give us this negative message, we might just tear you apart. So, the story that we find in Jeremiah chapter 7 is that Jeremiah showed up at church one day. Well, it wasn't church, it was the temple. And at the temple courts, at the door of the temple, Jeremiah sounded out his message of alarm and repentance because that's what God asked him to do. So can you imagine that? If you walked in the door today and somebody was standing there saying, you bunch of sinners, repent. Now's the time to change your ways or things are going to fall apart. That was Jeremiah's job. Jeremiah chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, from Yahweh, the God on high, the people of Israel's God. Here's what you got to do, Jeremiah. Verse 2, stand at the gate of Yahweh's house, the Lord's house. Where's that? That's the temple. That was the dwelling place of God in Jerusalem. 
and there proclaim this message. All right, you're standing at the gate of the temple. Everybody's coming in and out, and everybody's going to hear this message. Here it is. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah who come through these gates to worship the Lord. Everybody who's coming to church today, hear this. Verse 3. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Your God. This is what he says. Reform your ways and your actions, and I'll let you live in this place. Pretty direct, huh? If you'll change how you live... If you'll change the way that you look at me, if you'll change the way that you look at the law and obey, I'll let you stay alive. In fact, I'll let you stay alive here. Now you can imagine from a group of people who just kept saying to Jeremiah, if you just think positive, this was not a very positive message and not a very popular message. Verse 4. This is where it gets more difficult. He says, do not trust in deceptive words and say, this is the temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord. What's he talking about? He's saying this. Listen, people of Israel, here's the problem. You've completely disobeyed God. You've taken the law and you've thrown it out. You don't care how you're relating to other people. You don't care if you're dishonest, unjust. You don't care any of about that. What you do is you stand in front of this temple and say, this is God's temple. As long as we're standing in front of God's temple, as long as Jerusalem is the home of God's temple, the dwelling place of God, we are safe because God would never allow anything bad to happen in the city where the temple is is built and stands. As long as we stand in this temple and we worship in this temple, we are safe. In other words, we can act like the devil, but if we live in God's house, everything's going to be fine. That's what they kept saying to themselves. That's what they believed. Great Old Testament scholar R.K. Harrison said it this way, For Jeremiah, the veneration of the temple was little short of blind superstition. And it was just superstition. Just as long as we got this temple, we're good. Nothing bad's ever going to happen to us. Jeremiah, be quiet. We've got the temple. Verse 5. Jeremiah's still talking. If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, If you do not oppress the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm. Okay, so all that. There's a lot there. If you change the way you relate to one another. So if you're honest with the people around you, when you you have business with people, you do it honestly. You do it fairly. If you don't oppress the foreigner, the people who are living among you, the people who have the least, if you take care of the fatherless, the widow, and if you don't shed innocent blood, all of those things, and if you don't follow other gods. We're going to talk about that more next week in another passage in Jeremiah. If you do all that, verse 7, then I will let you live in this place, in the land that I gave your ancestors forever and ever. If you change the way you're living, if you reform, then I'll let you live here. Now, here's the sad thing. 
just one generation before. They had a king named Josiah who found the law. It had been sort of lost. And he had it read. It seems like it's the book of Deuteronomy. That's our best guess. And when, when the people heard the book of Deuteronomy read among them, they repented of their sins. There was really a revival in the land of Judah. And they followed God and they listened to the law and they treated each other fairly. And everything changed among the people. But as soon as Josiah died and his sons, like who was king then, Jehoiakim, became the kings, they forgot all that. I mean, we're just one generation away from reform and revival and everyone has forgotten it. And they've gone back to all the stuff that they used to do. And God is pronouncing judgment on these people and they are ignoring it. And it grieves Jeremiah. And obviously, it grieves the Lord. They just kept saying, we've got the temple. So what's Jeremiah saying? Saying to them and to us. God wants our devotion, not our religion. God wants our devotion, not our religion. Now, religion's not a bad word. In fact, we look in the New Testament, in the book of James, he talks about religion. Being unstained by the world, taking care of the same kind of people Jeremiah talks about here, the orphans and the widows. But you know, sometimes what we do is we take religion and we take religious acts like coming to church, taking communion, being baptized, giving, singing, praying, all that stuff. And it just becomes sort of a form. It's just something we do. We just sort of walk through it and say we've done it. And we say, okay, listen, I read the Bible today. Good for me. I did my religious thing for the day. I went to church this week. I did my religious thing for the week. I've done it. God ought to be happy with me. Now I can go do whatever I want to do. And I can live how I want to live. Jeremiah here condemns that. And we can see how hollow that is. We can see how broken that is. We can see how empty it is to live that life just sort of walking through some religious stuff to make ourselves feel better and we think to make God happy so God will do what we want him to do. And what Jeremiah is saying, and Jesus said it too, is that's not the way it works. God wants something more than just empty religious acts from us. God wants our devotion what does that mean? It means we're devoted to Him. It means we, we give Him all that we've got, whatever it is we've got, our time, our abilities, our money, whatever it is, it's God's. And we use it for Him and for His purposes because we love Him deeply. That's what God is calling us to. Yeah, He's calling us to religious acts as well. Does God want His people to gather around this table and remember what Jesus has done? Yeah, Jesus commanded it. But not just to do it. Not thinking that somehow the bread and the cup are like magical that make us better. But as an act of devotion to remember God's amazing love for us shown in Jesus on the cross. That's devotion. Not empty religion. And that's what God wants. God wants obedience. God wants the same kinds of things that he called for from the people of Judah these 2,600 years ago to deal with each other 
fairly, to take care of people who are disadvantaged, to make sure we're not following idols, and we do have them. That's what we're called to do here. There's a Franciscan blessing that goes like this that I think sort of speaks to some of this. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may wish for them justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done. In other words, may God break your heart to the point that you see the people around you who are hurting and you do something about it because that's what God's done for you. It's about being sold out, completely sold out to Jesus Christ. The people of Israel, people of Judah, needed a wake-up call. They needed to be reminded of what was important. And yeah, the temple stood, and that was important. But if the people didn't live as God called them to live, the temple didn't matter. And you know what? They would find that out. They would find that out as the Babylonians came in just a few years later and tore it apart and took away the Ark of the Covenant and all the religious symbols that were contained in the temple, and they took them away. And only then did some of the people begin to see that Jeremiah was speaking the truth. The temple wasn't a good luck charm. The temple wasn't about superstition. The temple should have been about devotion about worshiping a God who had chosen this people and called them out of slavery and given them a land. And instead, the people forgot that and pursued empty religious acts over devotion. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, It behooves us to be careful what we worship. For what we are worshiping, we are becoming. What are you worshiping? The people of Israel had decided to worship the temple and not the God who inhabited the temple. And if we're not careful, it's easy for us to worship our religious acts, the stuff we do, and forget the God who inhabits them. Let's pray together. God, we get lost in this. We know we do. We know we sometimes just do things because we've always done them or we do things because we somehow think that if we won't go through the motions, that it pleases you. God, convict our hearts of this. Help us to see it's about devoting ourselves, our lives, our souls, our eternity to you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe today you know it's time to really commit your life, yourself, to Jesus Christ.
because he died on a cross for your sins and he offers you forgiveness and eternal life. If you've made that decision, if you want to do that, we'd love to walk you through the steps of faith and repentance and immersion, baptism. We'd love to see you do that. Come forward and let us know as we stand and sing our invitation. Let's stand together. Thank you.